You're listening to Dead Air Podcast, part of SplatterPictures.net. What's up, everybody? Wes, Dead Air Nipe here with always. Typical Lydia. Today's show, we're going to be doing the 2007 film Dead Silence. Which works really good with the name of our show, Dead Air. <laughs> it really does. This, by the way, is a fan request. This has been requested to us by our good friend Rick Hunter. If you guys listen to Panels of Blood, and you should, he does all the intro and outro music for the show. And he wanted us to take a look at this thing, and I'm glad that he did, because he said something very nice about Dead Silence, which I don't hear too often. I've heard nothing but good things, and it's usually when people say, have you seen Dead Silence, or you should watch Dead Silence, um, it doesn't suck. That's usually how they preface it. I was introduced to this film by uh, Andy from Patron Saint of Plagues, Andy Negative, and... He he liked it. He's a James Wan fan, right? So, mm-hmm. like, um, it was one of those dead silence. It doesn't suck. Have you ever heard, ladies and gentlemen, such effusive praise? I know, right? <laughs> but it was it was good. It was it goes part and parcel with the Saw films in a way in that feel, and it goes part and parcel with films like uh, Silent Hill and movies like that, where I really enjoy that feel, and I really enjoy the almost fairy tale feel of this as well mm. which isn't you know it isn't apparent it's not like a fairy tale ripoff entirely but it does have more of a fairy tale feel than definitely saw where we're kind of entranced in uh gore and the puzzles and a little more of an adult feel more of a police procedural in a lot of senses oh yeah for sure where mm. the police portions of this are quite laughable yeah or affable depending <laughs> That's a really good point. The fairy tale aspect. I hadn't really thought of that, but it does have legends from the past, a poem, something that children would tell to each other. You are ferrying across a lake to an abandoned theater for crying out loud by lantern light. You're right. Films like this, horror movies in general, audiences that gravitate towards pictures like this, whether it be a film like Dead Silence, whether it is Child's Play, whether it is the It franchise franchise that we're talking about these days so much that's got everyone really excited people will project their personal fears onto things and because of that horror films like this can have a disproportionate sense of dread for certain people people with very specific phobias if you have a fear of dolls or big lickety tongues big lickety because there there is like aside from the doll phobia which is something i've never really quite understood there is a lot of like mouth trauma in this which could unsettle somebody if you're not afraid of dolls and you're afraid of mouth trauma you're gonna get that same sort of unsettled feeling watching this i don't suffer from either Mm -hmm. so i don't really and that doesn't affect me like this i i'm into this film entirely for the the story and the fairy tale aspect of it but i don't find it like scary or creepy where some people could find this extremely scary or creepy i am also not afraid of tongues mouth trauma can make me uncomfortable but it's more specifically teeth and gums if there's insertion or crude pulling of teeth that can make me uncomfortable because of all my experiences going to the dentist as a kid and i'm not afraid of dolls 
But. 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 With a capital B, but. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, with the massive exception of the spawn from fucking hell carved from the bloodied tree that hung Judas, Bobby, the World War One menace doll. <laughs> My God, every time you tell this story, this is it's sort of like the, the, the origin story of the Joker. It just changes. It's always the same. It has the same end. You don't like the fucking doll. But how, like, every time it just gets worse and worse and worse. I've got to see this fucking doll someday. I really, I recently, uh, listeners, for those of you who don't know, I had had uh, grandparents who had a doll in the fucking basement. And it just, it was the size of a boy. It's like that. It, it, honestly, it was a busted up version of the doll from the boy. It was that, except he had disgusting bandages over his head, holding his stupid doll head together. And he would look at you with his dead doll eyes. And he looked like a Dickensian child, ashen and busted and burnt and gross. And he just sat there slumped on a stool looking at you all fucking day when you're trying to watch The Price is Right. That was what Bobby was. And I recently, as I had promised, I will I will upload a, a photo of this doll once and for all. And I tore apart my closet. I tore apart a hope chest that I have. I am I'm convinced. I am 100% convinced that I, at one point, took a photo of this doll. There is photos of it that do exist. But I couldn't find it. My mother couldn't find it through her photo albums. And so next is my aunt. My aunt apparently has photos of this doll. So that's the next step. You know, you'll probably find it. If you could get James Wan to direct and get a score under, especially when you're tearing apart the hope chest, <laughs> get Charlie closer to do the score to your search for this uh, photo of the doll. If not the doll itself, that would be great. That would be wonderful if mm-hmm. that could happen. It's probably buried somewhere and you'll find it if you get James Wan on board. And at the end, there will be this dumb and predictable twist ending. <laughs> I'm the doll. It's, it's, it's like, oh, Wes, you have been the doll the whole time. It was you staring slumped on that stool. And it just like pans out to me like, no. And I'm still in my grandparents' basement as a doll. And I'm just sitting here doing the show, doing both voices. <laughs> and it's been like that all the time. And I'm unbelievably off the deep end crazy. <laughs> exactly. No, why we barely talk at the same time. <laughs> oh my god, it makes so much sense. No, go ahead, drink your water. I'll keep talking. Oh my god. Yeah, this will be great. We'll prove it once and for all. Oh, see, he took a drink. Way down upon the Swanee River. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's what I had expected. Apparently, we watched the unrated version. We did. And I suppose that the Mary... Walsh, is that her name? No, that's a CBC personality. <laughs> Shaw. Mary Shaw has a longer uh, stage presence in this one. Mm-hmm. I couldn't imagine this film with only a snippet of her on stage. I wanted mm-hmm. to see more of that. Yeah. Yeah. Probably just like, I usually don't enjoy comedic aspects or variety show aspects of burlesque when I watch burlesque, but I did enjoy this. And if this mm-hmm. were, if it was a very creepy old lady with her ventriloquist dummy in mm-hmm. the middle of a burlesque show, I would love the fuck out of that. Looking like the bad guy in every Disney movie ever. Pretty much. And the bad old lady from every single James Wan film ever and about 20 other fucking films since. That is very true. James Wan himself as a, as a filmmaker 
we can see earmarks of his craft from the beginning. Early stuff saw how he shoots, what he chooses to shoot, and the techniques and accoutrement that he likes to include. Dead Silence, even more so, is a very good transition between graphic horror. There are some graphic things in here if you include tongue removals and jaw removals. They don't really show the process extensively, but it is there, and they do show the gory end result of that. But yes, I, I it's, it's undeniable that he definitely has... Uh, an idea about what is a frightening visage. You could argue that it's undeniable that horror goes through trends. And just right now we're in this trend where thin, emaciated old women with sunken eyes, that's the thing, I guess. I And and to me, it's the, it's the thing that detracts the most from the film. I, I'll say right off the bat with Dead Silence, I have the same thought about watching it now as I did when I had originally viewed it. And that is, it's a fine film, but it's not an outstanding film. It does, in terms of its contribution to the horror genre, it's undeniable that it is noteworthy in the transition of James Wan, James Wan's career. But in terms of horror of the decade and the early aughts, I, there are so many other films that stand out far more that do so much more for the genre. This seems fine. It's just fine. It's And it's really not something that I would recommend as a hidden gem, or this is not something that I would say you absolutely have to watch this. If you're a, a casual horror fan, you can skip it. If you need to see everything James Wan has ever done, for sure watch it. I don't think it's a waste of your time. It's not dog shit by any means. If you like updated and original fairy tale type stories that sort of dabble in almost a gothic feel, if you like opulent settings like mm-hmm. this abandoned theater in the middle of nowhere and the graveyard, and the lighting in this is really wonderful. I really mm-hmm. enjoy that. And the cinematography mm-hmm. is quite wonderful. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. Um if you're, yeah, if you need to see every haunted doll film. Yeah. If you really like that, like the way I love clown films, mm-hmm, this mm-hmm. is sort of goes almost fits in there. I really, I do enjoy it for that. But you're right. It doesn't stick with you. It's not the most memorable film in the entire planet, but it is one of the better James Wan films. Mm. One more enjoyable. If you're going to sit around and piss on James Wan, watch this. It's a very enjoyable film. Mm-hmm. I, I'm I'm not a, a James Wan hater by any stretch of the imagination. He's done things that I like quite a bit, and he's done things that miss the mark for me. But I I don't think that I certainly wouldn't say that he's really made something that is like an interminable piece of crap. It's just sometimes I just feel that it's a little paint by numbers and a little generic, and and it reflects what is making money right now in the industry, which I don't necessarily think is a bad thing. Anyone that draws. Uh, that uh, that writes the ship towards horror is a good thing as far as I'm concerned. It's good gateway drugs for people. Some of these more shiny releases of bigger horror films. I think the discomfort lies in the very apparent capitalization upon this paint by numbers and mm-hmm. horror film by rote. And I, I definitely do have a certain amount of discomfort. Not enough to become a fucking caps lock keyboard jockey screaming about it on the internet. Though. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But but the, but I understand what you're saying. These scripts by committee. Yeah. You know, it's like these five elements worked in this film. Let's include it in this film. And then 
then someone would look at this film and say, okay, well, three elements from that worked. Let's take these elements and move it on to another film and so on and so forth. We rinse and repeat. And uh, I'm so full of shit in so many ways when I'm saying, well, I'm kind of tired of the the pale old lady trope. Meanwhile, you take a little girl and you put stringy hair in her head. And I'm like, oh, this is amazing. You take a giant, <laughs> this is amazing. You, you take a giant monolithic killer and you put a mask on his face. And I'm like, this is amazing. So I'm full of shit. Like it, this is basically in terms of horror tropes, there's just things that I like more than others. And this one to me, I like less. And so I'm just saying, oh, I'm kind of tired of it. I, I'm not tired of it. Um, I do notice it. And yeah. it, it does seem very paint by numbers. And to see the same exact character over and over, like the stringy haired little Asian girl with the stretch mouth ghost face. Yeah. Like you're going to, you're people did that over and over and over because it was mm-hmm. making bucks, I suppose. And some people are very sick to death of it and make fun of it. Some people will watch all of it and think it's amazing, which is adorable that you would say that. But um, I do like the old lady very, Mm -hmm. very much. You had said that you sort of, she was like an afterthought to you. Yeah, to me, maybe it's because a lot of the poster treatments and the trailers for this picture. And that Billy the doll is, stands out and you have not a phobia of dolls. Yeah, I just don't like one particular doll and I don't like dolls that remind me of that doll. (laughs) because <laughs> Bobby's a fucking prick. Yeah, he terrorized you through your childhood. <laughs> I hate that thing so I, much. I completely understand. And I wouldn't, I'm wouldn't. i not going to say that maybe you are masking a, an overarching phobia of dolls entirely. <laughs> it's like when people say, I'm not, I'm not afraid of snakes, just don't like them. It's, it's, that, <laughs> it's that type of argument. Maybe. Maybe. Mm-hmm. But I do get that it's hinging on just the one doll, which mm-hmm. I we had thought that it was, that its name was Billy as well, which I thought, just sucked for you. I thought it was a fucking room full of Billies again. <laughs> oh, my God. You're going to have nightmares tonight. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> with the James Wan uh, paint by numbers, the James Wan feel, the James Waniness of it all, mm-hmm. and the Charlie Closerness, which I'm not going to pick on because I love it. I do love his uh, soundtrack work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, like all of his music. It's, it's hard to it's hard to uh, deny, and I will say that I love the theme song to Dead Silence. I think it's quite good. There is another Billy in this. There is at the one hour thirteen minute mark, mm-hmm, ominous mm-hmm. thirteen it, around the one hour thirteen minutes when we noticed it. Mm-hmm. Um, we I had remembered when I watched it with Andy, we were watching for Billy, and it wasn't until it was over that we realized that we hadn't seen him, but. I knew going in that, oh, shit, I'm going to have to, I want to watch for Billy this time. Billy from the Saw franchise, mm-hmm. off of his tricycle, mm-hmm. is in amongst all of the dolls. He really, really is. For the, I mean, most of you guys would recognize that character. White, chalky face, the swirly cheeks, the crazy hair and the little suit. And yeah, it's in there. And I, when you had said that, it dawned on me that that was a fact and then i couldn't remember if this was supposed to be a, a the the one verse if this was supposed to imply that billy from saw was a creation of the shaw puppets i guess but i'm not sure it's very interesting but that would also imply that that ghost could possibly possess that particular doll you could have a a, a team up maybe this is what happens in jigsaw that's why they, like, they keep getting new killers. Yeah, yeah. Because it is just a possession of a, of a Shaw puppet. And so the Jigsaw film coming up is actually Dead Silence 2. Oh, my God. Yeah. Think about that. It's very interesting. I definitely think that 
it's fun to to craft these universes sometimes. But I definitely think it's James Wan's like, hey, remember when I did this? Here's a doll. And they're all named Billy now. <laughs> they are all named Billy. This this particular Billy we're dealing with is Billy 57. Mm-hmm. Billy 57. I dig Billy 57 for sure. I also dig that he doesn't uh, run around. He doesn't scurry around. So it's not a child's play ripoff. It's not a child's play ripoff. That would be Pinocchio, which I was talking about <laughs> earlier to you while we were watching this. Have you ever seen that fucking flick, Pinocchio? It's weird. I remember always seeing that one in the video store. It's awful. It's it's really, really terrible. And this isn't a child's play ripoff. And it could easily be confused with a child's play ripoff. But it's funny to think that now when we're dealing with the Annabelle films and we're dealing with the boy that came out just a couple of years ago, it seems that creepy dolls are back in the public eye. There's new. There's been... A, a, a revamp of the the Chucky films that was received quite well, and then there's another one on the way. New Puppet Master coming out, and new Puppet Master coming out. So dolls are back; they're in, and it's it's really interesting because Dead Silence misses all that by almost ten years. It's just this weird outlier that just sits as these dolls, and you and. We are getting a little bit ahead of ourselves because, Lydia, what is this fucking movie even about anyways? This movie is about how little runty, snot-nosed, mouthy brats shouldn't heckle old ladies. Respect your fucking elders. That's what this film is about. Respect your fucking elders. Silence is golden. And duct tape is silver. (laughs) So watch your ass. Don't fucking harass old ladies. Someday I'm going to have gray hair like this and be up on a stage and have some little snot-nosed Wait a second. Never mind. We <laughs> this, were getting ahead of ourselves. Now I'm getting ahead of myself. What this film is about is this delightful doll that gets miraculously somehow delivered to this darling couple's house while the gentleman of the house is out for takeout food. He is. He's, it, well, first he's fixing his sink and it looks like the beginning of any, any. Here's our young couple. They're white. They're fit. They're in love. But they're just barely scraping by. They're not rich, but they don't have to be because they've got each other. Oh, my God. And the music <laughs> swells. The music, the music does swell. I'm I'm making fun of it. But at, at the same time, they get a package delivered. It looks like it was wrapped up in during the fucking Civil yeah, War. <laughs> exactly. It came over on a steamer trunk for crying out loud. It has no return address and they open it and they un- undo the package and open it. And his wife asks who would have sent you a doll Mm -hmm. all right away placing the blame on him they Mm -hmm. both i guess came from the same hometown uh raven's fair yeah we're we're going to move someday we're gonna move i've been really interested in small towns lately so i'm really i was really happy to watch a horror movie that had a small town vibe all the clothes signs really reminded me of Giant cemetery on the edge giant of Giant cemetery, yeah, yeah, yeah. And we've decided we're going to move into this giant mansion from the Ashen family. Yeah. Um, since there's none of them left <laughs> you can not, They're not going to need yeah. it. And you can live on one wing. I yeah. can live on the other wing. I'll have Chris from Bind Torture Cast somewhere rambling around in the basement. Of yeah, he's like Gollum or something. Oh, he'd be elevated beyond Gollum. Like a lurch? Like Adam's family style? We need a lurch, a separate lurch. Uh, okay, so he's like a Gomez then. Oh, yes. He's a lot <laughs> like a Gomez. I'll be lurch. And I'll sit in the foyer just in a wingback chair surrounded by candelabras 24-7. It'd be great. Did I ever tell you that my mother's old boss used to call me lurch all the time? Really? She called me lurchy. It started as lurch and then it came lurchy. And she was very bitter. She'd be like, 
Oh, hello, dear. Is it? Oh, no, she goes, oh, hello, Lechi. Is your mummy there? That's literally how she used to, I'd say. Because, and the reason why that, because I was an, a very angsty teenager and I didn't like to answer the phone. And so when the phone would ring, I would say, hello. And so she interpreted oh, it as like a... <laughs> you rang. You rang. We wouldn't need a lurch. You could be lurch. I could just be lurch. Lurchy. Lurchy. That'd be great. I like lurchy because it's a little fun. Back to this bucket movie. This doll gets delivered. It's fine. Whatever. A ventriloquist dummy gets brought to your home. You're both from this small town of Ravensfair. Ravensfair has a very particular rhyme. Beware the stare of Mary Shaw. She had no children, only dolls. And if you see her in your dreams, be sure to never, ever scream. Oh, yeah. I like that they... I like when rhymes give you tips for survival. And horror movies with rhymes instantly get better. It's like Pumpkinhead. Everyone likes it. So... His wife knows this rhyme. She, His wife asks, who would have sent you a doll? Like, she doesn't know what the fuck it is. He even says later on, in my town, ventriloquist dummies are a bad omen. Mm-hmm. And they come from the same small town. Mm-hmm. They both know this story very well. So why she discards all of that and puts the goddamn thing on their bed like it's a fucking bu- a handful of rose petals or some shit like i don't know what she's trying to do putting this filthy fucking thing on her bed like that actually bothered me out of all of the things that happens i love this movie i do i had a lot of fun watching it but at the beginning where she just like let's not question this thing let's take this filthy thing in and put it on our bed Mm -hmm. yep and a bunch of people died in their hometown and it had to do with the doll just like this one and she's just like this is so cute honey Go get takeout, and we'll just, like, snuggle up with the doll. I don't know what she's planning, but yeah. It's pretty buck wild, especially since if I got that doll in the mail, I would look it up and down and say, fantastic, who wants to go for a drive so we can toss it in the river? You would. <laughs> I would take it to get it appraised. I would take it to a specialist right away. Mm-hmm. I would not put it in my bed. I wouldn't. I would put it back in the box. Yeah. I'd probably put it in the closet. That is a good point. I would also, even if I wasn't going to, I jokingly, I probably wouldn't actually throw it out because I would want to figure out where it came from and why. Yeah. But I, I would not put it, this lives out here now. I say, oh, no, it, ha- it came with the trunk. So it lives in the trunk. <laughs> and put the trunk in the closet, lock it. Yeah. Because we come from a town where this thing kills people. Mm-hmm. She hey, remembers most of the rhyme. She doesn't remember how to get out of it. She just remembers... The start of something, the rhyme. something, something scary. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Something, something, something scream. Yeah. Well, guess what? She's gonna scream because while she's out, or while her hubby is away getting takeout, I saw your soul die a little bit when I said that word. I hate the word hubby. Me too. It just, I don't like looking at it. I don't like hearing it. It's the worst. So sums up because holy fucking shit, there's something going on. You mean other than her putting it on the bed and covering it with a blanket like it's going to be a sex toy or some shit? Oh, my God. Yeah. Let's do it in front of the doll. Yeah. No, but it does does seem to move on its own. And you're not sure right now how this film is going to present these things. When you're doing a killer doll, there's a lot of ways in which you can convey that. It can be the child's play method. Child's play one method, mind you. Is this thing doing something or is your son crazy? By the way, I will say that the uh, the, the restraint 
that I because I guarantee you there was a conversation. Do they have a kid? And do they give the doll to the kid? And then we just have like a doll, pl- a kid playing with this doll. You know what I'm saying? Like that seems like an even that would be, in my opinion, an even lazier trope to go down. Where you just we just gave it to our son or our daughter, and and it's like Billy says this, and, and it's like the doll's not real, honey. And you have like 20 minutes of that. You know what I'm saying? Like I'm so glad. I don't know if that conversation would have ever happened because of the way that this story presents itself. I think that someone had a vision for the end game yeah, and worked right, back right. from that. Like I really do. Right. So kids, stinking kids, weren't any part of this. Yeah, smelling up the place with their kiddies crap. But- well, this is also a kind of a kid hating story because it's about you vile children and or- your mouthy ways. Or you start right from the top saying, no, 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 this thing is evil and it moves. And they go for, no, 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 this thing is evil and it moves. Yeah. Because they show that its eyes move. Now, the movement is very subtle and they do it with some camera tricks. Her body passes in front of it, but we're not idiots. And there's little things like she puts it and puts its head in a certain way and then its head turns over. Mm-hmm. Like it's looking straight at her all of a sudden. Mm-hmm. Um, so you're like, okay, so the doll had a loose head. Or at the beginning when they have their first little jump with the doll, its jaw just opens all of a sudden. It's like, well, it's loose, you know? Yeah. Dolls move, right? Yeah, and especially if this thing's old. Yeah. Who knows what kind of condition it's in. Yeah. But we get to see it actually actively stalking her. Yeah, yeah. And she got gargles up a big old blob of blood and then gets pulled underneath a blanket. And then, oh, good. Jamie's home. <laughs> yeah. And 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 I like that the cop brings attention to this because not only does he have takeout, he bought a rose. Just let's just milk this for all it's worth. Goes upstairs, Bob's your uncle. This, apparently a lot of husbands buy roses for their wives that they're about to kill. Th- that's, that's true. Apparently. I don't know if that's true, but it's true in this world because a Wahlberg told us so. The <laughs> the Wahlberg, yeah. The, the Wahlberg is Marky Mark, let's be real. No, uh, was not, he was the follow-up Wahlberg. I can't believe we live in a world where Donnie Wahlberg is your idea of the Wahlberg. I, I think it, at one point Donnie Wahlberg was the Wahlberg, Wahlberg and Marky Mark sucked all his nutrients out and became the one true... Like, like the like, quickening? Like, like Highlander. <laughs> he, killed, he killed Donnie Wahlberg's career and absorbed it into himself. <laughs> Okay, I see your point. I see your point. Uh, Donnie Wahlberg is still the Wahlberg in my mind. I'm sorry. Right. Jamie's not Donnie Wahlberg. That's a character later. <laughs> but well, There could be burger fans out there that like that other Wahlberg, whose name eludes me right now, that owns the oh, burger yeah. franchise. Yeah. I don't know. The Wahlburgers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> His fucking wife's dead. Her fucking jaw is completely gone. She's posed like a goddamn mannequin. She's fucked. Which is lovely. And I do like the camera tricks right here because we pan out of this really macabre scene of her having mm-hmm. her mouth carved into a ventriloquist dummy mouth that would mm-hmm. probably be pretty operational. Mm-hmm. And her hands crooked up sort of like she is a marionette or something sans mm-hmm. strings. And the camera pulls back. The people of Jamie stunned with sirens and coroners and they're pulling her body out and then it pulls back again through his pupil and he's being questioned. So they saved a lot of time and a lot of lame montages and crappy conversations Mm -hmm. and we get his single tear rolling down his cheek. So they've gone from her body being found to him being questioned by the police. Mm -hmm. It's It's probably been about 24 hours. Uh, close to 48 since this happened. Doesn't look like he slept. And I, I think, yeah, if you're going to start off 
with a murder like this, it's good to have a lot of the procedural stuff, the business of, oh my God, a guy came home and his wife is dead. It's good to have a lot of that stuff taken care of in not a way, otherwise it's the whole movie. That literally could be the entire film, right? And you don't want to do that because you got other, you got ghostly things to talk about. So you'd, you'd want to just sort of shuffle that off through a montage. It's good. Gets the point across without, because if they ignored all that, you would say, so what, this guy... This guy's wife died and graphically brutally murdered and what he just hops in his car and heads off to his hometown. That's not how any of that works. But you have a cop now. This cop, Jesus Christ. I feel like they took a dartboard with cop tropes and they just kept fucking throwing it. Yeah, yeah. He's that he's that weary detective that's seen it all. He's kind of doing a bad cop routine, but there's no good cop. And he's constantly shaving and he's eating donuts. Like, the first time we see him, he's just eating a donut. There's a somewhat Lynchian feel to this. There's, like, a a cross between, like, what David Lynch and Clive Barker would envision in a flat foot, right? Mm -hmm. And that's sort of what we've got here, which is just so weird because there are a couple, like, David Lynch alumni Mm -hmm, in this mm -hmm, film, mm -hmm. which is just weird. Well, they don't have Donnie Wahlberg swimming in a giant cup of coffee, so it's not as Lynchian as it possibly could. True, very true. Although he does take a bit of a swim, and there's a swim to be had later on. But, oh, that's true. <laughs> yeah. But he is very donuts and a, a brash attitude, and he's yeah. constantly shaving. With that's such a weird... Shaver. I wonder if that was James Wan, or if that was Donnie Wahlberg saying, let me just... Uh, I just want to do a little something here. I just feel like I don't have enough to do in this scene. Give me a thing to do so I can put some business on this cop. Could be. There's another writer too, Lee Wanell. Oh yeah, maybe about the other writer. Yeah. But um, I really think it's a stand-in for cigarette smoking. I really do, or for like cigar chomping, because yeah. he's got the attitude of cigar chomping detective. Yeah, like that's too much. They thought maybe. Yeah, that or it's the beginning of that like PC. It's like the height of that PC sensitivity where people can't smoke on. So we don't, want to, we don't want to give the kiddies any bad examples of cigarette smoking as cool. Yeah, exactly. Donnie Wahlberg being the height of cool himself. Like the end of Constantine or something like that. Yeah, Donnie Wahlberg, the height of cool. Mm-hmm. I think it really is a stand-in for cigar smoking. But it works. You know, it's something. It He's shaving constantly. He walks into a room and begins talking and shaving. Like, it's just really weird. And, and it's weird because he uses it to kind of fuck with people. It's part of his police procedure where someone's trying to say something to him he's like oh i'm sorry i couldn't hear you of course you can't hear him because you're using this electric shaver that sounds like you got it in 1985 and you've still been using the same one the thing i hate is that he's definitely getting stubble dust all over him oh that's the thing right he probably shaves and then he just like brushes his chest or something like that and all flakes off that shit's messy that already shaves so often like every half hour or so that (laughs) there's nothing happening Oh, my God. I don't mean to be talking so much about this goddamn shaver, but it's very distracting, I find. Yeah, it is very distracting. But I guess it helps shape the character to a certain extent. That's true. It is a bit of a comic book in that regard. Mm -hmm. I mean, but like I said, if he wasn't shaving, he would be chomping a cigar and wearing a fedora. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So So that's what sort of cop he's dealing with, who doesn't believe he didn't kill his wife, but doesn't believe he did he doesn't make any sense he's just waiting for him to incriminate himself basically Basically. he's gonna follow him around Mm -hmm. you can't hold them they don't have any evidence but it's that implication of 
don't leave town. Of course he leaves town. He leaves town, yeah. goes back to Raven's Fair. And this is, I, I, I like the, the establishing shots of Raven's Fair. It's very beautiful. I, all the closure signs really remind me of downtown Carlton Place. That's kind of what happens in a lot of these small towns when, when big box stores are whatever. But there's something about this town. There's a little Freddy's Dead in this town where you where you're looking at people just sitting around reading newspapers you got a crazy lady playing with a dead crow all this fucking shit going on and you know that something has happened in this town beyond what happens a lot of times in small towns where larger businesses or people move into the city or the suburbs and then, it's not the railway shutting down it's not the refinery closing yeah, it's yeah, something yeah. else a little more hard hitting a little that hit families here mm-hmm. as has closed the town speaking of uh, families why is Jamie hanging out underneath a sink ordinary takeout his dad's loaded he's a fucking man she's a wayne manor he doesn't want anything to do with his dad but but, but why because his father has gone through a couple wives and that's not the reason to hate anybody at all some people are bad at marriage some people also drive their original wife to suicide and maybe that's the thorn in his side and you know the other wife just kind of up and vanished just kind of left He hasn't even met this new wife, so whatever. But I I really think it's a lot to do with the fact that he blames his dad for his mother's suicide. His dad is now in a wheelchair. He's got a stroke and he's got a hot young wife. Super hot. Ella. Ella Bella. Ella Ashton. What a nice name. What a pretty name. She's a pretty girl. She seems really nice. She's overjoyed to see Jamie, even though she's never met him before. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Recognizes him instantaneously. Well, there's photos around the house. Mm -hmm. Oil paintings. Like These people are rich like you fucking read about. It's not a matter of, oh, we live in the nicest house in town. It's almost the, it's it's uh, ancient in a way. And it's this old, old, old money. They've probably been living there for 10 generations. Right? That's yeah. the, that's the, I mean, they. It's a dynasty. At yeah, that point. yeah, 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 yeah. Right? It, it's, it would be like the, the wealthy family that probably founded that town. And so they build their mansion, and then a little town sprouts up around them, and that's kind of just like the villagers. <laughs> the villagers. The villagers, yeah. yeah. What you got there, my lord? <laughs> that type of shit. Pretty much. So Jamie seems to have shed all of that, and that's fine. He seems to be coping just fine without his Oh, he's got his Mustang. He's got his jacket. He's got his stubble. He doesn't need to shave. Are you kidding me? He's too fucking cool and radical. His wife is dead and he's pretty sad about that. But he brought the ventriloquist dummy with him because there is this story and he knows this has something to do with his wife's death. So he wants to go back and talk to his father about Mary Shaw. Mm-hmm. He knows that because on in the interior of the box that the ventriloquist came in, when he tore the fabric away, there was a felt lining. He saw, not only did he see the image of the doll, Billy... He also saw Mary Shaw's dour countenance, and he knew that it was related. And she had been the same actress that played the beautiful girl across the hall in Eraserhead. Mm-hmm. So you're calling it a dour countenance. She's <laughs> a, a very striking and handsome older lady, I believe. Handsome is the word for it, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I believe. Yeah, yeah She was yeah. once a beautiful girl across the hall. She was once a, a very beautiful girl across the hall now she looks like grim death warmed over (laughs) but she's scary looking and meant to be scary looking 
Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You, yeah. Another lynching thing is the guy um, that runs the funeral home here in this film. Was Old in, Henry. Yeah, Henry was in Mulholland Drive, which is cool. Yeah. But that's where Jamie's headed is to go and hang out with Henry because his wife's body's on its way there. Mm-hmm. Henry is the mortician. And a town like this, you're going to need one. What's that supposed to mean? Well, I, I think that we are going to learn that there is an above average body count in this particular. People check in and they don't check out. And our friend at the funeral home is a bit of a photographer for crying out loud. He does like to take pictures of these bodies. And when he opens up the body bag after Jamie's wife arrives. He has this look of, oh, not again. Yeah, and that was totally, he could have ad-libbed that line in there. Oh, no, not again. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, so whatever it is that he's seeing, well, we got to see it at the beginning. Her carved up into a bit of a marionette with a puppet mouth. Um, You'd almost think that he was looking at like some black sludge or something. He looks pretty horrified. (laughs) Very horrified. So yeah. So at the funeral, when he discovers Mary Shaw's grave like he wouldn't have known that that grave was there if they grew up in raven's fair with this story all around you don't think that they would have gone and found where she had been buried they wouldn't be daring each other every weekend it's like the port hope ghost people dare each other all the time to go see where the motorcyclist died to see if the motorcyclist ghost will follow you i'd be hanging out in that graveyard every night to see if i see the ghost of mary shaw it's like he has to check a map to find the the guignol theater True. It's not too far out of town. And and that lake. definitely seems like irresistible for towny teens to be going to constantly. Completely. I guess maybe that's supposed to be an unspoken thing or something we were supposed to infer that the parents of this town are so protective of this curse, the mm-hmm. story, the whole mm-hmm. Shaw story. Um, and these places that are even remotely linked to that, that their children don't know anything about it, maybe? The, uh, it's it's hard to say, because on the one hand, Henry treats Mary Shaw like she's fucking Voldemort. Like, you can't say her name. But at the same token, Jamie's wife knew a rhyme that includes Mary Shaw's name. Apparently all the kids knew that. All the kids knew the rhyme. And... Then and the cop, of course, it, it goes around asking about it, and no one will talk to him about it. Yeah, they don't know what the hell he's talking about. So maybe it was that deep that Jamie doesn't even know his way around his own fucking town. Now, when he re-meets with his father, it is indicated that his father pushed him away at a young age, barely any contact. But I would still suspect he had to have been a teenager by the time he left. Let's say by the time he was 16, 17, he was ostensibly on his own and left the town. And his father maybe would have given him some living money or whatever. That's not really... Yeah, but you have those freedom years of having your little 10-speed bike and your buddies or whatever That's the thing, right? And and you definitely have your fucking our gang comedy troupe of kids that would dare you to go to the old theater. Do the Mary Shaw rhyme. And it could be that it's been so many years. We don't know how old Jamie is, but let's assume that he's in his early 30s. Mm Mm-hmm. It's possible that he has forgotten a bit of it. I mean, his wife couldn't even remember the rhyme in its entirety, and it's not a long rhyme. <laughs> no, it's not a long rhyme. Yeah. At all. So uh, it's it's not out of the realm of possibility, but I, I agree that, listen, I wasn't from Carlton Place, but if you brought me to that town right now, I could fucking take you anywhere you want to go there. I know that place like the back of my hand, and I didn't even really grow up there. It was a small town. 
and I was there frequently enough as a kid, and I haven't re- I haven't been there in years. Like you know what I mean? Like I'm not. Gonna- I, I I never lived in Mattawa, and I've never spent time overnight there or anything. But I know my way around it well enough, and I have yeah. an idea of all the different hospitals that have burnt down and mm-hmm. that are haunted by the ghosts of gray nuns or some shit. Mm-hmm. In my mind, anyway, because I'm terrified of, of Mattawa. Mm-hmm. But I I do know my na- way around the area mm-hmm. better than Jamie knows his way around Ravens Fair. How we know our way around Raven's Fair by this point more than he does, it seems. Yeah. I mean, it's a main street and and it's a 10-minute drive and there's the theater. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't sound very convoluted or requiring a map. But either way, he does decide to go to the graveyard and bury this ventriloquist dummy from whence it came. Because the story goes that Mary had decided to be buried along with 100 of her dolls. We are now in a situation where Jamie's asleep. All's well that ends well. Buried his wife. Cops on his tail, but he didn't do anything. He knows he didn't do anything. Buried the doll. We're, we're all done. Credits. Well, the, do- the doll is no longer in the hole. The cop has it. The cop wants to know why he buried it. Why he buried evidence was just stupid because he definitely clearly left that doll. The cops did their very shitty investigation, if they investigated at all. Well, they put the caution tape on the door and they're like, hey, we did our part. Yeah, I think that's all they did because they left the doll in that apartment on the floor in the exact same spot that it was when Jamie walked in. There was no little number on it or nothing. Nothing. So it's not evidence. So Mm -hmm. fuck you, Donnie Wahlberg. And and this is evidence. Evidence. You're holding it. It's not in a bag. It's not in anything. You're just like, this is evidence. They're gonna, what are you going to do? Run prints on it? Your prints are all over it. Yeah. His prints are over it. It doesn't prove anything. His wife's prints would be over it. He also does have a fun moment where he uses a ventriloquist dummy. And I'm wondering how and where did he learn to use a ventriloquist dummy? Because we get <laughs> yeah. to see later that he's not very handy and very quick-witted because he tries to use a rowboat. And that is hilarious. I've never seen anyone stymied by a rowboat before. <laughs> <laughs> but he seems to know how to operate a ventriloquist dummy. I used to stick your hand up the back of the ventriloquist dummy and try and operate it. Because they're not, they're not like a sock puppet. No, they're not like a sock puppet. <laughs> so, But he does a pretty good job. It's a cute scene when he gets all bitchy. But yeah, uh, overnight we get to see another instance of this doll supernatural powers. It seems to have the power to change the sound around it that I've noticed. It does it a couple times in the film. I don't know what power that actually has. Maybe it makes other people not be able to hear. But it is a tense little scary scene where nothing actually happens. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. This is the first time where we see Mary Shaw the ghost, though. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Creepy Mar- looking woman. Yeah, she definitely looks like a creepy woman. Sitting in that chair in hotel rooms. Yeah, that chair in the corner that exists for... I always... Anytime I enter a, a hotel room, I always see that chair. And I just think to myself, well, that's where the ghosts are supposed to show up. That's the only reason why that chair exists. Why do you need that chair in the corner all the time? Who's, yeah, so I'm going to sit in this high back chair. So you're either waiting for ghosts to appear or you're going to watch people have sex smoking a single cigarette. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I put my purse on it. <laughs> that's what I do with that chair. <laughs> I mean, that's not a bad thing to do with it, I guess. It's just not ghosts or sex watching. Mm-hmm. You're right. It is kind of benign. Yeah. The weird aspect about Jamie, and I mentioned this as we were watching it, the weird aspect is in a lot of these films where a murder has occurred, someone significant other has died, or someone in their family, or someone close to them, whatever have you, a lot of times you will give your character a way, they're either a police officer, or they know someone that's a police officer, 
or they're a reporter or there's something that they do where they have access to archives, they have access to whatever. They they know the steps in order to do some investigating. I don't even know what Jamie's job is. He's not a plumber. No, he's not a plumber. They've established that. No, they don't really get into what he does or anything like that. I, mm-hmm. I just assume that he does nothing. Yeah. He probably has like one of those those movie jobs where he, he's an architect. He's an architect. <laughs> he's an architect. Oh, I'm a graphics designer. Like it's just like these weird throwaway jobs. Here's my studio apartment. I'm a graphics designer. Whatever. You always just have like here's here's a a desk with like a fucking T scale on it, and you're just I don't know what he does. <laughs> Something. I'm a graphic designer by trade. I don't have a desk with a T scale. I don't live in an entirely glass home on the edge of a cliff overlooking the town that cost me like seventeen million dollars or anything like that. So. Well, I'm having a hard time believing whatever do you have this job at all <laughs> just like if you're a single guy you if you don't have an apartment with a mountain of pizza boxes and a guitar in the corner then there's no way to establish that you are a single male although jamie has a guitar in the corner of his bedroom i thought i was like that's some nice set decoration of course he's got a fucking guitar yeah considering the length of his hair yes he must have a guitar. oh yeah for sure for sure and the color of his car oh yeah that is the that is the car of a guy that has a guitar for sure well, he doesn't need a job as a reporter or a historian. He has Henry. He does have Henry. Henry is going to provide us with our library scene. Mm, my favorite things. Library scenes and flashbacks to olden times. Mm-hmm. This town, Raven's Fair, it was this town on the grow. <laughs> industry. Well, not so much industry, but arts. And it's... it's this happens in smaller towns when there is a, a family that is willing to foot the bill and support the arts, so maybe to give something to do for people or some opera for them to go to so they can wear their furs somewhere uh, yeah. closer to home. You could bring their classy upper crust friends. Mm-hmm. Or there is other industry that people have money and don't know what to do with it and want to support this sort of thing. So someone has built the Guignol Theater um, just outside of town. Yeah. This is where you get to see some fucking ventriloquist acts which would have been pretty good i i I guess i shouldn't be surprised that ventriloquist for a while there in modern times he 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 gets he draws big crowds i can't remember his fucking name jeff dunham or whatever yeah jeff dunham does and back in the day that is a really acceptable form of entertainment and you could have all sorts of like off-color jokes It, it straddles that line between um, an opening act for a more serious thing and vaudeville entirely. So mm-hmm. people can sort of slum it a little bit right there in their comfortable theater. Mm-hmm. And especially having what I'm judging by what we get to see of Mary's act, that it wasn't too raunchy by any means. Oh, yeah. This was not blue theater. No, not at all. So it was a little more highbrow, probably a lot more intelligent. And it just you have that interesting thing of not only is she a ventriloquist, she has hundreds of these fucking things, and I guess she made them herself. So, mm-hmm. like, that's sort of like an interesting artisan aspect. And she's elderly. Yeah, she's elderly, yeah. And she's basically just doing, I mean, Bazooka Joe comics. <laughs> Pretty much. <laughs> and Billy is getting all the jokes and shit, and she's doing her routine, and people seem to be enjoying it. Uh oh. Got ourselves a heckler, though, Lids. Yeah, Braddy's not no little kid. 
Says. And like a Lord Fauntleroy outfit. So you know he's a snotty kid. He's a snotty little rich kid that says, I can see her moving her mouth. And makes a big ass of her. Or tries to make a big ass of her. She in turn makes a big ass of him. Because mm-hmm. that's how you handle hecklers. Oh yeah, for sure. You, you definitely know that she, as a stage performer, would have things prepared for hecklers. And it's interesting because it's almost as though... Billy the doll, the dummy, becomes far more offended at the idea of not being considered real. Yeah, and it sort of does have a scary edge to it Mm -hmm. and plays into what we know of Billy, that he's a fucking killer and is quite relentless and quite uh, brutal of a Mm -hmm. killer from what we've seen so far. Um, the, The doll starts kind of freaking out. And Mary's sort of like, oh, no, we'll just go on with the show. You know, it's fine. He didn't mean it. And he's like, no, I'm going to show him I'm real. Come up here. Come up here and I'll show you how I'm real. And you would think that the audience would start saying, oh, this is fucking tense. But they just laugh along, whether it's through tension or if they genuinely find it entertaining. We're not exactly sure. But that is the story. And well, that heckling boy. Little red faced boy. He's kind of uh, embarrassed by this point. And he vanishes just a few days later, a few weeks later. Mm-hmm. And they never hear from him again. That's what happens to not know his mouthy little heckling boys. Let that be a lesson to you listeners. Mm-hmm. The end. The end. Well, no, because like Freddy's dead, they've got to get some vigilante justice here, which is going to curse this town forever. Which is sort of what it reminded me of when I was saying the parents keep this myth under wraps so their children don't seem to remember it. They don't know that the theater is there. They don't even know their way to the graveyard. Maybe it is sort of like the Freddy Krueger thing where the parents mm-hmm. just don't talk about it. Speaking his name gives gives him power. Mm-hmm. Will allow him to come back if he's within the consciousness of people. See? And the guilt because it's all their fucking fault. Mm-hmm. Because this little boy's gone missing. What do all the parents do? Kill Mary Shaw. Yeah. It's crazy to me that that... It's crazier not, than Candyman. Yes, because I you could just be like, well, racism. But, like, I, I mean, on the same token with the, with the Candyman story, you're in the same ballpark where, oh, they killed Mary Shaw. They cut her tongue out. That is beyond necessary. Killing her is beyond necessary. But if you're going to do vigilante mob mentality, who's just sitting there... Thinking, uh, cut her tongue out. It's like she got Momar Gaddafi'd, like where she fucking bayonets up her ass and shit like that. Pretty much. And then they cut they cut her mouth into a ventriloquist dummy's mouth. Mm-hmm. It wasn't necessarily a request. Mm-hmm. At first, it's made out that it, it was a request. Because when the coroner was a young boy, his father was a coroner before him. And when he went in to see the body, he saw that it had been cut into uh, a dummy's mouth. Now that we know that she was killed, that was not a request. Mm -hmm. As he was told, the parents killed her, took her tongue out, cut her up like that. Mm -hmm. And that's how she was found. Uh, The original myth of her is that she's a ventriloquist that lost her voice. Mm -hmm. And that's why she's a ghost. I mean, technically, you would lose your voice if you were murdered and your tongue was taken and your... (laughs) That's a hell of a way to lose your voice. Yeah. It's not like you succumb to throat cancer. It's it's not as though you're, for whatever reason, you lost your voice in another illness. It's just you lost your voice because we killed you. Yeah. And her body doesn't look like that because it was one of her dying requests to be made into a doll herself. Mm-hmm. 
even more macabre than that, she was murdered. Yeah. Mm. I like how the myth sort of slowly changes as we learn more about it. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. It doesn't end there. Because over the next little while, every man responsible for this, it was a mob of men, we tend to be the worst, I thank you, they are killed, systematically killed. But beyond them getting killed, their wives get killed, their children get killed, generations to follow are killed. We're not too many generations out. I mean, this is not something that happened hundreds of years ago. I mean, Henry, he's an old man, but he's not decrepit. He's not barely mobile. He seems to be in his 60s to me, you know, late 60s. Still able to get around, do his job. And look after his ailing wife, who has, who's, again, if we're talking about horror tropes, it's just here's the crazy soothsayer in town right she's a crazy soothsayer and i like that she sort of lives under the cubby that's just in between the house and the embalming studio Mm -hmm. i suppose and there's a little cubby that goes under the house and she kind of hides in there in the crawl space yeah in the crawl space kind of cool i like her i like her a lot Mm -hmm. but yeah jamie gets um the idea to go to shaw's old house Mm -hmm. and check the attic and look and see if the other dolls are there. Mm-hmm. And of course they're not, but he does find clippings and things. If he would have looked more into this book, he would have figured out a lot more about Shaw and the mm-hmm. doll itself and the curse. Because it is a curse. Mm-hmm. It becomes quite apparent that everyone is cursed. After seeing the photos of the families that have been killed decade after decade, generation after generation. Because it is three generations mm-hmm. prior. Not as grandfather but his great uncle was involved Mm -hmm. in this he goes and sees that all of the dolls aren't there but he also finds a newspaper clipping that shows it was his great uncle Mm -hmm. that was involved in this he was a missing boy around that time Mm -hmm. when he goes back to the old theater and that's where we get this extra information he goes back to his father sipping soup like the old man he is and says i am suffering for the sins of my father's Or my forefathers or ancestors, wherever he says. And that is true. And we know now why his father tried to push him away at such a young age. To keep him safe. Because it was his father that was involved in this killing and torture of Mary Shaw. It -hmm. was his great uncle that had gone missing was the first victim. He was a heckling little bastard boy Mm. in the theater that went missing. So that was what sparked this entire curse and every other family involved has been mm-hmm. feeling the wrath of it. They're probably one of the last mm-hmm. at this point. It seems not many of them are surviving at this rate. And the rest of the townsfolk seem to keep their mouths shut and don't mention anything, and they're fine. While Henry has mentioned a lot of things, he has basically spilled the whole thing out on the floor. Probably not the best idea, because now you wonder, why has he avoided this his whole life, and all of a sudden he's getting killed now? Well, now he's decided to be the fucking library scene, and that comes with certain consequences. And now, this is the most graphic attack that we get to see. We get to see an idea of that it's not necessarily the dummies that are doing things, although the dummies can move. But they're not moving under their own power. They are vessels that... Mary Shaw moves through and 
we learn this because both the doll and Mary Shaw are present in this kill. And this is where we see the ghost. And this is where we see a close-up of Henry's face. And this is where we first see the ooey-gooey many tongues. The tongue of many tongues. The tongue of many tongues. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And this is where we learn that. And and by the way, one of the things that I will, I will say, it's funny to me how often people get duped by other people throwing their voices. Jamie's wife, I understand. How Henry is not aware that this thing is able to trick you with vocals. It was a ventriloquist. It's the ghost of a ventriloquist. It's the ghost of a ventriloquist, but he's never been in this situation exactly before. Mm -hmm. And he was also sort of like the most unwilling participant and the one that had the most heart for Mary Shaw throughout Mm. all of it from the time he was a little boy. He was kind of scared of her to begin with. She's a scary fucking lady. But all this time, he seems to really feel a lot of guilt. He bears all of the guilt. So maybe he thought he was immune to this to a certain extent. And no one really lives to tell the tale. All he's ever seen was a body after body after body being turned into a ventriloquist dummy by this killer. So I don't think I, th- I don't think that he would have thought that that would be how he was going to go. And his wife does have a history of being creepy, super mm-hmm. fucking creepy, and hiding in this crawl space. So mm-hmm. he goes in what, what he thinks is going in after her. It seems pretty natural until mm-hmm. he's trapped in there. And then he goes to sacrifice to the curse. That's when things are really heating up with this detective who, by the way, if you'd forgotten that he's in the movie, you're not the only one. And then he shows up on the doorstep and is ready to arrest Jamie then and there. I don't know what what has changed. I don't know what he like how he feels. Jamie is now definitely responsible because no new evidence is as he basically knows that Jamie went to this town, buried his wife. His wife was from this town and he buried a doll. That's pretty weird, but at the same time it doesn't incriminate him any further, you're right. But yeah. I think that he's uh, nonplussed by this you know, you're going to blame this on a ghost story, on a myth, and now I'm pissed. Mm-hmm. So maybe he thinks that maybe he can prove Jamie's crazy because mm-hmm. he's believing in this myth and he wants to stay in town to figure out where, why his wife was killed or who killed her exactly. I don't know. But it seems that the cop is pissed that he thinks that it's something to do with a doll and a ghost. Yeah, it, it is very much that. But it come, comes down to the fact that he, the detective does seem to be operating somewhat outside of the law within that he knows that he can't directly arrest Jamie because he really gets shoved aside and only half-heartedly like, don't make me chase you. Or come on, I have half a tank of gas, you know? Like, <laughs> Which is it's- kind of funny. But we've said, you had said a couple times watching this, why don't they just team up? Why doesn't he help them? They didn't really investigate this. What's he talking about his investigation? He did fucking none. Mm-hmm. And even Jamie points out, what, you mean the investigation that I'm doing? Your mm. job for you? Yeah. So, yeah. Jamie has not made it. He, he did not hide the fact that he went back to Raven's Fair. He did not hide the fact that why he was there to not only bury his wife, but he has explicitly said upon their first meeting that he wants to figure out who killed his wife. And if you think I did it, then stick with me because if I'm your prime suspect, you don't have to go anywhere. I'm not going anywhere except for who is trying. So, listen, yeah. at the end of this, we'll determine once and for all that I'm insane that I'm not insane and I'm lying to you and I did kill my wife 
or that I'm innocent. In all three scenarios, you get your killer. Yeah. All you have to do is shave yourself, eat donuts, and follow me. That's all you yeah. got to do. That's all you got to do. Yeah. Which is kind of cute. Because following him means that they get to go back to the Guignol Theater, oh, yeah. which is across a lake. So it's half submerged in the middle of nowhere on the edge of town. Mm-hmm. And I, you got to love these scenes because one of the things that I was worried about was every time that the cop had the, the, the dummy in his hand, I always thought, okay, well, now the cop's going to die. The cop's just going to fucking eat it. And he'll know at the last moment that the doll is killing him. I'm glad that the cop, I'm glad that Donnie Wahlberg's character was able to be alive long enough to really absorb what is happening fully as opposed to just, oh, it's a killer doll. He got to, because eventually, yes, he is chasing Jamie with a a shotgun rifle thing. The thing is a shotgun and pump action. And he is able to track Jamie down once they get there, once he's fiddling with a fucking rowboat and shit like that. I love how Jamie looks like, he was born in another era, holding a lantern, standing in a rowboat as it as it like sails towards where it's going, bearing himself down the river Styx. It's a very theatrical look. Mm-hmm. Him crossing this bayou, mm-hmm. it's it's wonderful. Yeah, and honestly, these are the strongest aspects. the The flashback sequence with Mary Shaw in her prime doing her ventriloquist act. This is insanely theatrical. You can see. You can really see the things that James Wan cares about. Yeah. And he really cared about this this uh, flashback sequence, and he really cares about the sequences in the theater. Like, these are the things that are primarily important to him. And I can see that. I mean, th- this is his aesthetic. I mean, this is a person that has brought a lot of carnival aesthetic and theatricality to this film and these are the things that are stand out within this film. Mm-hmm. I, I I wish that we spent more time on these elements as opposed to waiting till the end really to show a lot of them and 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 you have the flashback about the midway point of the movie which is nice. Once you're in there you get really great sequences because everything is so fucked up and covered in dust not looted mind you. She like the, the first time Jamie was here, he found lots of stuff, and you would think that, like, I guess I'm thinking about what does abandoned buildings look like in small towns? There's graffiti, there's garbage, there's beer cans everywhere. Yeah, yeah, nothing is intact. Everything's being wrecked up. Um, things are missing. But yeah. it goes it goes to show that you're probably right about kids being kept in the dark as much as possible. And also, it is not inaccessible. It's not very easily accessible. No, but there are two boats. There's a nice boat and a rowboat. Yeah, it is interesting. People have gone back and forth for whatever reason. But all the chandeliers are still there. The piano's Mm -hmm. still there. Like, everything's still there. Things still work. Things worth money Mm -hmm. are there. Mm -hmm. So that's that's the... It's also haunted as fuck. Very, very haunted. I can't imagine... Anyone going to that theater living very long, and that probably is true once we see what's floating around in the amongst all the mannequin parts at the, the bottom, you get a, a sense maybe part of the chunk of missing people did go to this theater, and that's why they're missing now. Yeah, they didn't hit 18 and move out of town. Mm-hmm, yeah. mm-hmm. There's an issue, Lids, that I wanted to bring your attention to. Oh, yeah, you know, Billy. Which Billy? Uh, number 57. Billy 57. Okay, but Billy 57. Well, we got an issue 
Because we know that Mary Shaw was buried with uh, the 102 other Billies. Yeah. Those Billies are, are not currently present in their respective little graves. Oh, yeah, because the cop went out to the graveyard because he does do a little bit of work from time Sleuth to time. Him. Yeah. I guess this one time. Mm-hmm. And he saw they were all dug up, which is a really wonderful idea. Mm-hmm. I really like mm-hmm. that idea. I like that they each had their little caskets. The little tiny caskets, I know. Yeah. Isn't that? Who the fuck dug them up? Unknown. Where the fuck are they now? Uh, well, that is known. They are fucking present in this goddamn theater. They got a, a big case. 102 little little uh, displayers. Yeah, I love this scene when they are looking for them, basically. Mm-hmm. And they pull down this shroud that is being tacked up over top of all of the display cases for all of these dolls mm-hmm. that are labeled and numbered in brass. I love that. Um, and all those little creepy motherfuckers are back in their spots, except Billy 57. Yeah, he is not present. But she had all kinds of dolls. Yeah, including, a, a, shall we say, life-sized, uh, or perhaps un, a former life-sized. Uh, 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 uh. A former life-sized? Yeah, deceased-sized. Uh, she's got a boy doll. Yeah, a boy doll. He's a little, little redhead. Little ragamuffin. Looks like he could have been a heckler. Yeah, a heckler. He's got his short shorts. He's got his fucking, like I said, Fauntleroy outfit. He's like a little boy of the fucking 30s or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And he's got a, he's kind of tagged up with a marionette, so it gives a chance for Jamie to pull one of the strings and spook the hell out of the cop. Yeah, like it's fucking weekend at Bur- Bernie's or yeah, some shit like yeah. that. This, by the way, is an imperfect process. Making the perfect doll, by the way, is something that Jamie is aware that has been Mary Shaw's life goal. We know this because he found in his own little mini library scene a book, uh, a photo album containing diagrams and schematics, all this type of stuff. That he would have just flipped through a little further, a little deeper, but a little anyway. bit more thoroughly. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it didn't fare well. This doll, it's not the perfect doll by any means. This little boy, um, it's partially mummified. Yeah, it, it seems like there there was an attempt to preserve some of the flesh, but it's crude. It it just didn't half worked. Let's say it is yeah, incredibly it's a prototype. well prototype. Yeah, incredibly well preserved considering how old the body is, yeah. but not very well preserved in terms of creating the perfect untouched doll. No, yeah, a perfectly workable marionette and a perfectly workable ventriloquist dummy, but hideous looking and rotted and definitely a corpse. Mm-hmm. Um, but you can see that it they are trying to incorporate dead human bodies into this perfect doll um and it's sort of reminiscent of like waxworks and things like that very museum very very much a waxworks type scenario yeah she also has another doll it doesn't fit in with the other dolls it's bigger it's it's way bigger almost the size of of an adult and it's um not a dead person either it's a doll no it's 100 percent a doll it's a clown yeah Kids love clowns, Lydia. Kids do love... I'm going to see It tomorrow, so I'm pretty excited. I'm going to see It very soon, too, and I'm very excited about that. We'll report back to see what we think. It's kind of a Pennywise-looking clown when I think about it, this clown. It really reminds me... You know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of one of the various clowns of... It kind of looks like the the clown from Zombieland and one of the clowns from... 
killer clowns from outer space mm-hmm. was turned into a puppet or something like that. It looks a lot like that. Okay. The green hair and, and, and stuff. I like the, it's got this really random, almost like a runic symbol on its forehead. It looks like a six. I guess it's supposed to be like a little curl of hair. And it reminded me, it does look like very much like a six. And it's sort of reminiscent of the spirals on Billy the doll's cheeks. Mm-hmm. And it reminded me of the nursery rhyme. There once was a girl who had a little curl right in the middle of her forehead. When she was good, she was very, very good. But when she was bad, she was horrid. And so was this clown. Because it's speaking to us. With the voice of the ghost of Mary Shaw. It's true. And it's trying to do that shit where it's, where it's, oh, it's a secret. Why don't you come over here? And come I'll, play with that. And I'll tell you it. <laughs> and that's the instant where you're thinking, dude, this thing's going to rip your whole fucking face off. Do not approach this fucking doll. And sure enough, he does. Jamie does. And I, the cop is present. You know, this is where... They're both like, what the fuck's going on? The cop is by now totally sold because he has seen these dolls move on their own. Mm -hmm. He he believes Jamie. He believes Jamie. He has heard the ghostly whispers. Mm -hmm. Jamie's like, hold my lantern. And he does. So, you know, he definitely is there gun ready. He's like, okay, Jamie is not my perp. Who is? What is? Is these stories of a ghost accurate? Turns out they are. And that's where... Mary Shaw's ghost inhabiting this clown. And this is where we really start to understand how Mary Shaw inhabits these things. We know that it it is, it might be a little too on the nose to say that if you were to destroy every one of her dolls, she, her spirit would somehow go somewhere. It would dissipate. It would be defeated. I don't, She'd have no nothing to travel into. Yeah, yeah. She'd I don't, be in limbo. I don't know if that's accurate because it seems we will definitely learn that it doesn't necessarily need to be one of the original 102 that she had any real connection to. A lot, with the dolls themselves, you would understand that Mary Shaw would be able to transfer from one to the other and operate the doll as she saw fit because of the fact that she made these dolls herself. She was deeply connected to them in life. Therefore, she is powerfully connected to them in death. That tracks. That is 100%. I gotcha. I'm, yeah, I'm on yeah, board. But it seems to be that that is not entirely accurate. We don't know also when a lot of these other doll. I don't know when the clown would have been made. It doesn't seem to be part of the numbered uh, no, Billy, right? So was this something that was crafted afterwards? Yeah. We don't know. What we do know for 100% is that she can possess this thing. The other dolls seem to be... This doll is the size of a human, a small human, but like the size of a of an adult, basically. And it's in a rocking chair. The other dolls seem to all snap their heads. It's a very good scene. The, the eyes go and then the heads go and they all sort of snap in unison towards this one thing. That doll starts to rock. Donnie Wahlberg says to himself, oh, yeah, I got a gun. <laughs> Shoots that fucking doll. And once you shoot the doll, it seems to be damaged enough. I don't know what the bullets would have done to it, but but or how damaged it would have been, but too damaged to function. It seems to be these dolls need to be somewhat intact. I, I'm guessing, I'm just guessing that mm-hmm. they need to have a mouth and eyes. Yeah, that's so a, as soon as you destroy that, they're useless. Mm-hmm. The only things about dolls that are really scary, you know. But mm-hmm. yeah, um, so then of course 
you have a hundred and some dolls on the wall, it just jumps, the spirit just jumps like in Fallen. It just jumps from person to person, mm. where in this, she just jumps from doll to doll. So he can waste bullets. Mm-hmm. We can, we don't know much about shotguns. We don't know how many cartridges are within Not 102. Gun. No, not 102. So Jamie lights the place on fire. Yeah. And that works. That works. That works hell of well. And and the, the boy dummy, the, 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 the zombified one, eh, he she inhabits that one for a little bit too. And this is where these two guys are going. Now they know a trick. And the cop is like super on point with this. Like he's almost commanding Jamie at this point where he says, Don't scream. Don't, the scream is what it is, is that is how the spirit is able to affect you in life. And I really think, you know, just to expand on that for four seconds before we go on, I think that the don't scream translates straight as don't talk Mm -hmm. because Henry seemed to be safe all of his life until he started to even talk about it. Mm -hmm. So it's not only just don't scream. It's Mm -hmm. like don't utter a fucking word or sound Mm -hmm. about this and you'll be okay, let alone don't scream and you won't get your tongue chopped out mm-hmm, mm-hmm. again it goes back to this I, I think i've referenced this on the show before but the old ghostbusters cartoon there was an episode in which uh, there was a spirit that was enraged by any noise whatsoever and it used to be part of a quiet neighborhood and the city built up over top of it and so the noise of the city and trains going by it drove this thing crazy and if you tried to initiate it at all with any your the proton packs made noise they spoke it made it so angry and then the the egon defeated it through communicated to it via sign language and that was how the ghost could understand it and why it would listen but i'm not saying that's the same thing but it seems to be sound seems to be so important to this and it is the idea of them taking her voice away from her so she will then take theirs it's because the dolls even seem to have some sort of supernatural power to deafen noise entirely, mm-hmm. be it the buzzing of a neon sign, the dripping of a tap, the sound mm-hmm. of anything within mm-hmm. the vicinity. That is how you know that Mary Shaw's presence is amongst you. It is mm-hmm. the absence of sound that lets you know that this is happening. And Mary Shaw's spirit herself, those tongues have been ripped out. She has concocted this serpentine tongue that is really more like a big, long tentacle that is composed of all the tongues of all the people that she has taken. Which is something that isn't apparent in the cut version. So if you're not watching the unrated version, mm-hmm. you're going to miss quite a little bit of that. So not only do you miss the visual spectacle of a tentacle made of human tongues, but you also maybe miss out on a little bit of this mythology clicking into place for you. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, absolutely. And it's kind of understandable, Donnie Wahlberg, he is able to keep his shit together. He's able to not really speak too much. He's definitely able not to to scream. But by the time you're getting hurled through the air and a spirit force is heading towards you, you could excuse the guy for letting out his scream. And once he does, the next time we see him, he is... Tongueless. The tongueless, tongueless wonder. Which yeah. is kind of like, you know, I'm sure that there's a lot of new kids on the block haters that are like, yes, it's about time. About time, like Donnie Wahlberg can no longer sing. I wonder if you thought about that. He's like, people have probably been wanting me to shut up for years. And finally, because he even tried to go solo for a bit, right? So like, um, he's probably like, oh no, my tongue and jaw got ripped out. But the nice little touch. I was saying that when he was fumbling around in the rowboat, I would have liked to see his fucking shaver drop into the drink. Just like, sploosh. Then we wouldn't have had this nice little scene where we get to see the shaver running all by itself forever. 
until it dies of loss of batteries mm-hmm. because it's popped out of his jacket. You know what? It'd be a lot easier eyes. to shave your face if he didn't have a bottom jaw. It's a lot of work taken out right there. Oh, my God. Yeah, totally. He would only have his neck beard to worry about and sideburns. Yeah. Yeah. You guys let those sideburns rock. Mm-hmm. Slim rock. So now we got Jamie. The place is burning down. He's got to get the fuck out of there. He is going to... I will add that it is a lovely scene watching this mansion theater burn to the ground mm-hmm. across the lake. We're going to lose our adorable little Billy cameo, though. Our little The Billy, capital B Billy. Capital B Billy. Squirrely Cheeks Billy. Yeah. Yeah. He's in this place, too. So, like, I like that all the Billies are accounted for. Yeah. Well, except for one. Oh, yeah. Number 57. Number 57 is not there. Jamie knows that once he gets underneath the water, underneath the water, it seems to be a combination of of mannequin parts and also real people. Yeah. And some real people with mannequin parts on them. And Mm -hmm. yeah, it's really macabre, which also convinced me that I need to make a swim through dark ride. Oh, yeah. yeah, Yeah. yeah. That would freak me out. I always like to play the game of like when someone is underneath the water, can you hold your breath for as long as the character is holding the breath? And I never can. And not only that, but I think they're also swimming fully clothed. Like, that's a lot of exertion. Can they really? But his key is not to panic. And he does get out of the water. And there's a, it looks almost like a matte painting behind him of the theater burning down. Uh, Really, really cool looking. I do like that visual quite a bit. Yeah, it's really lovely. It is really lovely. Mm-hmm. Almost as lovely as uh, approaching the first time we get to see the theater back in the day in the flashback scene, how opulent and beautiful it looked. It's it's equally beautiful, burning to the ground. Mm-hmm. Or as you had pointed out when he was heading there for the second time, holding a lantern up in the middle of the night, it just it looks yeah crazy beautiful. Everything about it is beautiful. So he has to he- head back to his uh, father's equally beautiful mansion. Yeah. He needs some answers still. He just man says so he needs to figure the fuck out what's going on. Well, the doll is there. That's where he left it, right? No, that's not exactly where he left it. I think the cop had it last. Well, at any rate, the, the, the doll's in his mansion. And it's time to act. Because here is Mary Shaw's spirit, once and for all. I always, I like how she appears. I like the idea of her hands coming, her face coming out of the doll, but then her hands coming around to like raise the doll up like she's holding it, and then she appears behind it. It's a very cool effect. I like that idea of... It shows, it's just a very unique way to do it. You could have, you could have had the dolls just becoming fully animated. And then I guess it might look a little goofy with a bunch of little dolls scurrying around. I guess maybe they thought the aesthetic wouldn't be frightening enough. But if you had this woman basically holding this doll almost like it's um, a totem of her power, right? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So it's, so it's very, very interesting to have it that way. And again, it becomes very fairy tale like because you have this, inhuman witch you have these totems you have this rhyme this is the strongest aspects of this film mm-hmm. the most and and what i consider the most unique you know you take an old lady ghost which are very scary i'm not going to say they're not and 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 you say and you give it a twist just a little bit of a twist enough of a twist that it differentiates itself because if it was just the woman in black if it was just the nun uh that Aesthetic, I would have said, well, here we go. It's just a woman in a gothic black dress just floating around. With yeah, all you have to do is like dig up her kid or bury her kid. One of the two is like, you fixed mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. The dolls are her kids. That's the that's the interesting part. Mm-hmm. We are talking about um, a family, a woman attacking families, generations of families who in her of herself was a spinster, who had no children of her own, who crafted her own children 
and now are using those crafted children to destroy families. It's very interesting uh, to me. Now she's reached the end of the line. Yeah, because you, you bust that one doll, that's it. No, oh, he's just toss it right in the fire. That'll fix it. Yeah, and I'm very surprised that it was very instantaneous, too. It wasn't, there wasn't a long scene of her burning up. There wasn't the doll trying to move while it's on fire and falling apart and its head bobbles off. And then you just have its head roll towards the camera and it's got note and the eyes are burning and that's the end of it. And maybe he, like, stomps on it for one last measure. This ain't no fucking, I don't know, action movie no, it's not. And at the end of the day, it's like, it is just it all. It is just it all. Yeah, it's going to land in the fire and it's going to burn. That's what's going to happen. It's yeah, just it all. It's dry wood and paint and yeah. fabric. It's, yeah. Yeah. If her, if her soul was really that tortured and it really, really had nowhere else to go after that, maybe it would have tried to walk out of the fire on fire and chase some little doll legs. But the spirit is somewhere else. Mary Shaw has options. She does have options. BT Dubs, his dad's in the room. Yeah. Weird. He didn't speak or move muscle or really act out in any way, shape, or form. He's just sitting there. Just sitting there. Is he dead? He doesn't really look dead. No, he doesn't look dead per se. He looks rather motionless, though. His eyes are open. Oh, yeah. He's slumped forward in his chair, and we see the back. And uh, he's got a bit of a bad case of uh, wooden apparatus. <laughs> Coming out his fucking spine. <laughs> He's probably been dead for the past couple of years. He's definitely been turned into a ventriloquist dummy, and we get a wonderful, very saw-like. Oh, this is very real. This is this is the the most James Wandian thing. I think not only like later on you can you can look back to uh, to to Dead Silence and you say, oh my god, look at this ghost. Yeah, that's definitely. James Wan's fingerprints all over it. But at the time, you couldn't really point to a whole heck of a lot that you would have said, yeah, this is the aesthetic of James Wan. Now you can. But at this point with Saw, oh, yeah, that music video hard cut montage where he's, whoa, the twist, the plot twist, my brain, mind freak. It's a wonderful <laughs> plot twist, too. And people saying that it was a predictable plot twist. I, that's, that's bullshit. That's I'm so sorry. Um, it doesn't matter if you had any inkling or how much of a logic puzzle junkie you are. It's still an extremely well done and imaginative twist. And I enjoy it. So, fuck. Whatever. I I'm I hate Shyamalanian <laughs> plot twists. I do. <laughs> Um, there's some Wanian plot twists that I'm not a fan of either, but you know, I really enjoy this one and it is still very well wrought. And I like just the seeing the scenes back to, and they do it in all these plot twisty movies where you go back to show you what you thought reality was when you first encountered the scene and showing it from a different angle or knowing what you know now, everything's different, but showing these from a different angle and knowing what you know now is fascinating when she's feeding him soup, when he's doing anything, saying anything, what a very skillful ventriloquist Ella was. Oh yeah. That's a good point. Uh, there's the puppet. Where's the puppeteer? Oh yeah. Ella. Ella. The Sexy be- Ella. The beautiful young Wife dutifully taking care of her aged and uh, ailing husband. Well, she's possessed by Mary Shaw. Why? She is the perfect puppet. 
She is. If he would have flipped through that book just a little bit more, he would have seen under a flap or turn another page her portrait. Because she is the puppet that has been created to mm-hmm. house the spirit entirely of Mary Shaw and be that perfect living doll. Now, we cut to the end of this film and we see a beautiful family portrait. You got Ella, you got Jamie, you got Jamie's wife. You got- it's a beautiful, beautiful family portrait. Yeah, Jamie is a very crappy. I was under, I was like, look at Ella, look at uh, Jamie's father, and then look at the the hack jobs that the other two got. I'm just like, was this like, if you're an artist, were these your warm ups? These are my warm ups. This is not my showpiece. This is just getting the blood pumping so I can make my real puppets. Well, that sort of belies the fact that he's the last puppet that she would have created. Mm-hmm. So he should look the best. But no, she just really like slaps that jaw on and leaves him be. The the legacy of the Ashen family. We get in a in an alternate scene that really spells out things a little bit better for us. If you need that extra thing, I think that the film with this twist works the way it does, and you can draw your own conclusions. I would have enjoyed this scene though. Yeah, this scene that does exist as a, as a bonus feature on the unrated DVD, which we do have, and this scene explains that. Jamie's father was an abuser. This is not un. The, the, once you piece together the fact that their his mother uh, died mysteriously, and then the second wife left, just just left, just left, and they were painted out of the portraits, and now this is his third and current wife. She was uh, he was a serial abuser, and she was suffering the abuse in a mind frame of revenge. She was pregnant shoved down a flight of stairs, lost the child, goes to Mary Shaw's grave and ignites the curse again herself. That is, so the dolls being removed, her becoming a puppet of uh, Mary Shaw to be fully possessed, to then kill her husband, to turn him into a puppet. And then from that point on, Mary Shaw definitely has her own agenda. Exactly. The minute that she would have went to that grave to dig up one of those dolls, Mary Shaw would have mm-hmm. had her own agenda and probably took her over immediately right there. And I really like the explanation that this provides mm-hmm. uh, for the get-go, like who delivered the doll. Yeah. Because Mary Shaw didn't deliver the doll. The perfect doll would have delivered the doll. But how long has this perfect doll been living as an automaton? Uh, why didn't it just pick up the phone? You know, mm-hmm. give him a ring. It's it makes phone calls. Mm-hmm. That's well, been established. Yeah, he makes it makes phone calls, but uh, won't answer them. Like uh, Jamie wouldn't answer. He didn't even know his father had a stroke. True, could have written a letter. Could have written a le- written a letter, but I don't know. He would have he, he would have opened that because he says, "Why didn't anyone tell me?" Mm-hmm. They could have contacted the wife. They could have, yeah. Yeah, she's a troublemaker, or was. Yeah, maybe they're both no good Nick teens, and they just like. Screw this town. Yeah. Screw this town. We're out of here. We're going to have our own life with takeout and roses. Yeah. And amateur plumbing. Amateur plumbing. Yeah. Yeah. No, I really would have enjoyed that explanation. But it's there if you if you want. The extras are contained on the unrated, which is the one we watched, which I highly recommend because I, the first time I had seen it, it didn't have as much of this tongue thing. I The tongue thing was kind of new to me. And oh, yeah. Welcome. Yeah, yeah. yeah. This is the only version I've seen. Yeah. So, uh. So I, I, I couldn't – but when you look at the Wikipedia page, the, the the discrepancies between this and the unrated are notable. Yeah, yeah definitely. Lots of, lots of added scenes. So there's a lot of a lot of bang for your buck. Ten, almost ten full minutes of uh, 
new stuff. And then plus you get a, a, an alternate ending, which gives you a little bit more information. So I'd have to say that anybody who says that this movie is not good or yawn or boring uh, or just too by the numbers and not a scary movie at all probably saw the one that was on, that was cut. Maybe they might have saw it in the theater. Yeah. It's hard to say. Makes sense. This uh, This film, like I said, it's a fine film, and there's definitely things that I think are very strong about it. I I don't know what I'm looking for to make it truly great where I would be singing this this film's praises, but it certainly is something that is not not worth your time. And that's like the very non-committal fucking answer that I'm trying to give where I'm just saying it's it's a good film. I just don't I'm not in love with it. No, exactly. But it is for a 10-year-old film that lives very much alongside his current work and other Blumhausian uh, efforts. Yeah, and and that is a really good example. If you want to see the direction in the beginning of the aughts, horror hadn't made the exact leap to what the shape is now. The shape of horror in the modern terms of what is not what's getting produced all the time, but what is getting the what has the most cinematic largesse behind it. The things that people are the most paying attention to and by that i mean the general movie going audience what is putting asses in the seats for the general theatrical release because you're really looking at what horror gets released every year it's a it's a it's a pastiche of so many different things definitely and a lot of things that don't get attention and are out to make the theater bucks and yeah yeah but but if you this is this is a film that occupies a bit of a sweet spot in terms of what that uh, the Blumhouseian style would settle on. Yeah. Uh, what is currently making the big noise? And like I tell people all the time, if you're tired of it, wait. It will. It, it, it'll. It'll. It, it blow will pass. Away or seek out something on VOD. Seek out something in a second run theater. Seek out something mm-hmm. in a art house theater. Seek out something on vimeo mm-hmm. you know go there's lots of other avenues to find the mm-hmm. horror the horror you want is being made mm-hmm. and ironically blumhouse had had a, a blog post i guess about a year ago that was don't support bad horror mm-hmm. don't go to the theater saying well there's horror in theater i have to go support it or they'll take it away or whatever it is that the big fear is mm-hmm. um they themselves were saying don't go to see movies you don't want to see mm-hmm. so yeah, I guess take their advice. Mm-hmm. And that translated to some people who were retweeting it and, and talking about it as they're saying, don't go see our movies because those were people that don't like that sort of film. I wouldn't mind seeing a sequel to this someday. It was it was enjoyable enough for me. As enjoyable as like uh, The Woman in Black. Not as enjoyable as Women in Black. And I really do like that as well. Yeah. The, but the, it has yeah. that same sort of feel. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. For sure. For sure. So what do we got next for them? Coming up next, we have The Evil Within. Mm. Yeah, we're going to talk about something that didn't go to theater, that doesn't really live within any, you know, established trope within horror, any established trend within horror. And it is film, technically you could say that it's 10 years old as well, even though it came out uh, early this year. Mm-hmm. The Evil Within was began by one of the heirs to the Getty estate. You'll see Getty images on a lot of the stock photography that you see online. Well, it's a guy that's in that family. He decided to make a film starting about 10 years ago. So it started out in that same sort of feel that James Wan was becoming uh, James Wan within, but it only came out recently because during that time, this filmmaker had never made a film before and he was doing this all by himself, funding it with his own money, and he passed away before it could even be finished. 
So then some of the production team and friends of his have finished the film off and have released it. And it is an interesting ride. So we're going to do that next. And then we're going to roll into some Halloween fun. That's right. Mm -hmm. That's right. And that means that we got commentary tracks coming. Fuck my life. (laughs) I was questioning at the end of the most recent episode of Bind Torture Cast where me and Chris talk about Death Note. Mm -hmm. A very long and wonderful two-part, actually. It ended up being a two-part episode on Death Note. We talk about commentary track and because i mentioned that we're going to be covering nightmare on elm street we are going to be doing the nightmare on elm street so we've we've done it guys we've done it finally we've done halloween we've done texas chainsaw massacre earlier this year we did a special friday the 13th Mm, for wes for for me and now we are going to be doing nightmare on elm street that's right I'm pretty excited, even though it's a commentary track. And that was Chris's question is, is it going to be a commentary track? And me trying to play dumb, hoping it wouldn't happen, said, I don't know. I guess so. <laughs> God damn it. We but, set a precedent. Yeah, we did. We did set a precedent. And yes. Yes. And also, we were talking about this because generally speaking, in the month of October, we like to do two commentary tracks. It started with me basically trying to trick Lydia. Because I wanted to do a commentary track, and I thought the only way that I could get her to do it is if we did Halloween 2. But I wanted to do Halloween 1, so I thought, well, what if we just did Halloween 1 and 2? So I tricked her into two commentary tracks, ladies and germs. But now that's kind of set a precedent. So the question is, and this is what we'll impart to you guys, I kind of know where we're leaning, I feel, but we want to know, do you guys want Freddy's Revenge for our second commentary track of the month? Or Dream Warriors. Oh, I thought you were going to sing it. Because everyone usually Dream does. Dream Warriors! Yeah. Um, I'm at a crossroads. Me too. Yeah. I, I think Freddy's Revenge is fantastic. There is I love it. so much to talk about with that film. Yes. And but, and but Dream Warriors is everyone's... That is... Oh, I love Dream Warriors. We would end up talking about it. That's, That's the, the biggest problem, too, mm-hmm. that we ran across is when we're trying to plan this. And then it was like, do we do all three? Are we going to run out of time? That's the thing. We, we don't know what we, to do. We don't know. So I, 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 I let us know when you guys are commenting on, on this episode. And also, don't worry. I'm going to put a Twitter poll up. Thank God. I was just going to say we should put a poll up. We put a You're Twitter poll up. you way ahead of me. And, uh, and I might do a couple. And maybe we'll do a couple and get best of to make sure everyone gets a chance to vote. So we get the most accurate. But uh, yeah. If you the, want us to go one and two. Yeah. And stick to just one and two, which is makes sense to me. Yeah, it makes total sense. And I, and like I said, I, I really like two. We could probably do Dream Warriors another time through the year. We could do Dream Warriors for your next birthday. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's it's possible, right? But if yeah. you guys are saying, no, 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 I don't like Freddy's Revenge and, I, and we want Dream Warriors, then fine, we'll do Dream Warriors. Yeah, one and three, which we're very comfortable with doing because yeah, yeah. we could pepper in enough conversation about part two mm-hmm. within the end of part one and the beginning mm-hmm. of part three. And, 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 and again, just like what we were saying with Dream Warriors, not doing part two doesn't mean that we're never doing part two. In the same token that we did Friday the 13th, it doesn't mean that we're never doing any more Friday the 13th. It just means that for now, we just did the first one because it was a special occasion and we want to knock off that trinity of slashers, right? We wanted to make sure that we're talking about all the biggies that you guys want us to. There's a bigger problem with Friday the 13th because you can't just do one and two. 
Yeah, that's and the thing. You want to get to four with you this one. We're having the problem. We want to get to three. Yeah. Uh, with Freddy, so it's even a bigger problem with Friday the Thirteenth. So expect mm-hmm. them to be peppered in. Yeah, for mm-hmm. sure. Mm-hmm. Uh, but for now, yeah, is it one and two or one and three? Yeah, yeah. That's gonna be really exciting, and I'm fucking pumped. Pumpkin spice is a thing. the The air is getting crisp. It's gonna be cold soon. I, I get a visit from Chris soon enough. We're gonna be crispy crisps. Uh, crispy Chris. Crispy, there you go. Crispy critter. He's not a crispy critter. Uh, it's too cold outside for that. We were all crispy critters about a month ago, but it's it's freezing cold out. Which fall is our favorite time of year. Um, so that's what I'm looking forward to watching horror movies. Yeah, absolutely. I should get a pumpkin spice latte. You know, I only have ever had one. I've, I've never had one either. That really? is, you've one had I, one. I've had one. No, I've never, I've never oh. had one before. Yeah, they me. Nothing it, to write home about or tweet oh, about. It's just such a, it's just such about. a social media thing, right? Yeah. yeah. And but I feel like sometimes I can be a bit of a basic bitch. So I thought that maybe I should try a pumpkin spice latte and just complete my loop. Mm-hmm. I am such a hipster that I tried one before it was ever a thing online. And make sure that you like, hammer that into everyone's head that you had pumpkin spice latte before it was cool. I got a plug, Lydia. Ah, plugity plug. That's right. We like to promote stuff, especially when it's coming out of our hometown. And uh, I, I definitely have that. It's by a dude named Jamie Lance, and uh, Jamie reached out to me and uh, was talking all about his book. And what he's got is a, a book called The Art of Horror, Volume 1, coming out. And it's a book where he has taken it upon himself to write a bunch of horror reviews, which I love because that's how I got started, just writing a bunch of horror movies, anything that he considers hidden gems. So he hasn't. he's not really talking about any of the biggies, like the stuff that we do like commentary tracks for, like Halloween and Friday the 13th. Etc. And then, along with his reviews, he has gotten artists, a lot of them from Ottawa, but from all over as well. Some people out from the UK. They have gotten together and they have contributed art to go along with the reviews. So it is this robust book about horror films to maybe help direct people to hidden gems that they might want. And also some wonderful art that you can look at and really sink your teeth into. I do I do like that it's um, coupling these hidden gems with the art and that it is from local artists for the most part and local writers. I really enjoy that. This seems like something that I'd like to throw onto Ottawa Horror. I think, well. I, you know, I think uh, Jamie would be more than happy if you reached out to him and we could definitely make sure that happens. But just to let you guys know, this book is coming out by the end of October. So it's that spooky time of year where you want to get yourself a new coffee table book for horror and also uh you don't have to wait to pre-order it you can pre-order it right now but if you want more information go to artofhorrorbook.com or you can go to the facebook which is uh facebook art of horror volume one so maybe if you look about art of horror volume one or you just go it right into your web browser yeah, not to be confused with The Art of Horror by Stephen Jones that's no. available on Amazon. So yeah. artofhorrorbook.com. Yeah, artofhorrorbook.com or um, or uh, and the book itself is Art of Horror Volume 1. So you can pre-order that right now or you can wait until uh, to get it in uh, at October. But if you pre-order it, to get it cheaper. So that's the good news. Yeah, yeah. And support some local authors. Yeah, yeah, which is something some that artists. we we really encourage, especially if you guys are listening our horror community is not huge, 
not and but it's got some really uh knowledgeable and robust people and if you think we like the genre every time i think oh man i really like horror movies i always meet other people that know more than i do love things more than i do and can you know show you a new perspective on things and that's what i like about it and i think it like draws us together as a community because sometimes our experiences with horror are so weird and personal and isolated me in the, 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 the dank basement of Alta Vista drive. And then you meet someone else that also saw like planet of the vampires around the same time you did. And you're like, Oh, interesting. Interesting. I, I thought I was the only one. <laughs> it is a weird, small community in that I know an artist that was working with this gentleman that was doing the art of horror volume one and wanted to talk to him for Ottawa horror and, mm-hmm, and promote it there, mm-hmm. but I didn't have much more information to go on. And then lo and behold, he gets in touch with you and here we are plugging that self same book on the show, which is really cool. Mm-hmm. I like the way that that works. I don't have much to plug really because nothing's coming out yet. I've got a lot of little things out there, like mm-hmm. a wonderful little poem that you got to read. I did out. get to read I that. I wrote a poem, It was my, my spooky poem read on a train. So I got clanking sounds trees blowing past me on a train i felt like i was it was like that scene in the woman in black just like on a train yeah 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 so i and and here i am reading a a creepy poem yeah where are people gonna get access to that i don't know yet it's out it's out uh at at a particular location for a particular submission call um, so I'll know more if they pick it up. If they don't, mm-hmm. then I will eventually be in Prelude Eve 3 oh. when that hits, because there will be one of those. Are, are we ever going to... I'm, I'm. You know what I'm crazy about with uh, Prelude Eve 3? What's the cover going to be? I'm so fucking excited. What do we got going on? Those books look so gorgeous together, like like oh, one, and, one and two. Like, yeah. That purple spider is my fucking religion. Like, are you kidding me? What what the cover for Prelight Eve 2 was going to be will probably be what the cover for Prelight Eve 3 will be. But uh, we'll stop talking about that. Okay, sorry, sorry. And there's other stuff because I wrote a romance story. I'm sorry. The sound you heard was me almost falling out of my chair. A romance story? Yeah, I'm hoping it'll be out sometime in November from ID Publishing. I'll have more information on that. And I did just do a newsletter with a lot of this information, too. So you can hit me up on my Twitter. But more importantly, I got off my lazy fucking web designing ass and fixed my website because I had restyled my website months and months and months and months and months ago at nightface.ca. And didn't make it full width. And it was just a thorn in my side. Every time I go to that site on a computer other than my phone, the computer that lives in my pocket, <laughs> I would be like, oh, God damn it. Yeah, that's, that theme isn't full width. I need to fix that. Mm-hmm. And oh, my gosh, I'm lazy. I'm so lazy. Because it's really <laughs> just like four or five lines of code to be tweaked and it would fix it. So I finally fixed it. So I'm all proud of it. It's somewhere in between months and months ago where I restyled the website and yesterday when I fixed the website, I had put a nice link in the menu bar mm-hmm. to not only like there's a contact page there and a bio page, but a nice link back to splatterpictures.net so you can Ooh. listen to the podcast. And um, I'd also put a link to a free story. If you ever want to read a short story, Crocodile Rot, there's mm. free fiction there. So, yeah. It's one and of my favorites you've ever done. A link to my YouTube, which I am using more often now and getting back into doing horror oh, yeah. reviews. Yeah. You have been listening to Lydia for years. Now, 
I'm going to give you all the Wes experience. That's where you get to look at her while she talks. This is my favorite thing. (laughs) I don't have to see people. (laughs) Yeah, that's the greatest. I don't have to have anyone in the room. It's awesome. No, that's true. It's just you making love to that camera. Ooh, making not love to that camera. Um, (laughs) Speaking of love, I am on Fine Torture Cast. Of course, you can go listen to the Death Note episode with my adorable Chris of course, mm-hmm. talking about one of our favorite franchises. A lot more of my stupid voice there, I suppose. <laughs> yeah, knock yourself out. Yeah, you're definitely going to want to do that. And also, if you go to our Facebook page, I've been trying to be pretty diligent in bringing up more uh, uh, character sketches, concept sketches for the upcoming uh, uh, comic book that we're going to be doing for splatterfictions.net. Teresa, colon, Where the Darkness Takes Me. Which will be really fucking wonderful to see because i've enjoyed seeing a little bit of this concept coming up and um being on the on the like privy to the drawing board as it is with this was coming to splatterpictures.net and just some of the neat stuff that's going to be coming to splatterpictures.net um definitely keep an eye on our twitter for this poll send people that don't even listen to us send people you don't even know because i really want a a very balanced input on are we going to do Nightmare on Elm Street 1 and 2. And we've never had this this problem before. Like it's always been very obvious, but I think it, but it, but it's funny because we were encountering the same problem with Friday the 13th when initially it, it, this cuz this month originally we were going to or sorry for this Halloween originally we were probably going to do Friday the 13th cuz there's a Friday the 13th within the month of October. So I said, "Oh yeah, we'll do Friday the 13th then." That was like my plan the entire time, but then when the opportunity came up to do it earlier, I said, "Oh my god, we can do Friday the 13th, avoid the hassle of which fucking sequel we want to do and then go right to Freddy." But then of course we just have the exact same other fucking problem where we don't know which sequel to do. Yeah. So please let us know. Anyway, I'm Wes Knight. And I'm Typical Lydia. And you've been listening to Dead Air.